The Shepherd in the Shrink podcast can only happen with your support. Please go to patreon.com, search for the Shepherd in the Shrink podcast and find all kinds of cool stuff that we have in store for you. And that's what really struck me. And I thought, I live in a very busy, very noisy city. I can't get away from noise at all. There's always noise in my city. And I'm thinking, God is asking me to be still and to be quiet in the midst of this. I have to figure out how to do this. You can build the heart of a lion with a strong mind and spirit. Because a lion's natural state is one of safety through courage, strength, and power. Hi, I'm the shepherd and pastor, Dr. Matt Hook. And I'm the shrink, Dr. Marty Fletcher. This is the show where theology meets psychology. Or mental health meets spirituality. Welcome to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. Well, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here for this episode of The Shepherd and the Shrink. Although the shrink is not with us today, he is getting a much needed rest this evening. And I say this evening on purpose because I'm speaking with someone for whom it's not evening. And I would like to, <laughs> I would like to introduce you to my good friend, Jenny Hohan. She and her husband, Philip, and I, along with my wife, Lee, all participated in the Beeson Pastors Program. 18 years ago, and we had an amazing, amazing year together. And to watch what God has been doing in people's lives since then, including children growing up and everything else. Jenny, <laughs> welcome. Thank you so much, Matt. It was truly an incredible year. I mean, I live in Singapore halfway from, uh, from you, halfway across the world. And I'll have, I'll have you know, uh, America has for a long time and continues, I hope, to be a leader of the world because we all grew up kind of in the shadow of America, watching Sesame Street and dreaming of going to America. And I was very glad in 2002, uh, my little family had a chance to live there for a year. And of all places in America, to be able to live in Wilmore, Kentucky was a real treat. <laughs> it was an amazing year right there in little rural bluegrass area, Kentucky, near Lexington. That could not be further than anything I know of America based on the mass media that I consume, but it was such a beautiful time. And of course, uh, Asbury Seminary, the entire Beeson cohort of colleagues and all the faculty, just so wonderful. It was a very nourishing time for us as a family. Mm. It was an amazing time for our family as well. All our children were so little and now they're all college <laughs> yeah. or university or graduating and Mm -hmm. You are in Singapore. Tell us what has been going on in Singapore. Give us a touch of what that is before we launch into this amazing book that you have written called Be Still and Know. Tell us just a couple things about Singapore and their response with COVID and all that. Okay. So Singapore is a really tiny island in Southeast Asia, and we are very vulnerable in some ways to whatever is going on around the world because we are very plugged into the global economy. But we are a financial hub, we are an intellectual hub, so it's a very buzzing city-state. And it's probably hard to imagine, but it's like New York City being a country, that's what we are. And that's kind of the level of stress that the people live with also all the time. Uh, so we kind of like New York City, we have our suburbs, what we call them heartlands, which is where most of the residents, uh, res residential areas are. And then, but we are quite integrated as well. So in all of our residential areas, we have our schools, have our community hubs, have our financial services as well. So it's a lot of mini towns in one big city. Yeah, and we are majority Chinese, but we are also the most diverse city in the whole world, uh, religiously. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yep. Say a couple of things about that religiously, the variety of people. I think because we are basically an immigrant nation and because we have been successful, we are a very young nation. We are only uh, in our mid-50s <laughs> and we have like basically like in 50 years moved from third world to first world. So it's like this success story that people love to talk about. So Hong Kong, Taiwan, Singapore, they were kind of like the, you know, the paper tigers and all that. And we attract a lot of people because of our educational system, because of the financial integrity that's known in our financial systems. So we do continue to attract a lot of talent, a lot of people. So they come with their original cultural 
backgrounds and their religions. So we have, yeah, we really, yeah, there was a study uh, done recently and I was actually quite surprised because we are such a small country. We have about 6 million people, but we are uh, religiously the most diverse city in the world. Mm. That's amazing. And mm -hmm. in, in that mix is Christianity. It is. And Christianity has quite a place here. We are quite, we are a minority, maybe about 14%. That would be Protestants and Catholics combined. Uh, based on the national census, but Christianities are overwhelmingly represented in places of influence, which is a good thing for us as a nation. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, that is amazing. And I had the blessing of being sent this book by you a year ago, and I finished it just before COVID shut down, everything mm. around March 13th or whatever it was. And it was God's timing, I think, and what's ironic about it is the book is called Be Still and Know, and it is Treasures from Silence to Transform Your Life. And it captivated me right from the beginning. And I want to share that, but I have to laugh because <laughs> in the Beeson year that we were in, some of us were known as talkers and not that silent throughout the community that we were all a part of. And Jenny and I were some of the more talkative ones. Among it our did. <laughs> and here I we're going to have a whole conversation on the, the treasures of silence. I know, and, the rich irony of it all, right? God's sense of humor. Right. And here you're talking about silence in one of the biggest cities on the globe. Yeah. And in fact, when when... I felt like God was asking me to host and prepare this message. I felt very inadequate for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, the context I live in, uh, my own personality <laughs> as an extrovert and all that. Fabulous. So it took it yeah. took me a while to, to let that sit with me and decide that I really needed to do this. And you know what's very fascinating? My writing journey actually began in the US the same year I was in Beeson. So before we left for Beeson, God had told me, Jenny, I want you to write. And I was thinking, well, I'm a pastor. I already write all these things in the bulletin, the pastoral letters. But I felt there was something more. So that year when I was in Beeson, I had nothing to do, right, except to raise my little girl. So I started to write in earnest. And God really gave me um, a breakthrough in a sense because I went to Mount Hermon in San Jose for a writer's conference. And the editor of the War Cry the magazine for the Salvation Army, I know that name is wild, fierce. <laughs> yeah, she actually approached me and asked me for an article. So I was actually uh, published in the US, uh, you know, an article in that war cry. And the, the, the plot thickens because uh, this book is also conceived in the US. It was, it was conceived in 2016, shortly after the elections. Mm -hmm. And in my soul, in my spirit, I just felt there is going to be so much cacophony in US. And... People really need to learn to listen to themselves and listen to each other. So I really wrote this book with, with a real prayer. And God also uh, gave me a scholarship to go to St. John's College. I was in Minnesota. And that's where this book started in its first drafts. Wow. So I really, really, I mean, more than any people I want to read this book are my beloved American friends, really. Mm. And I can tell every one of my American friends, this book, somehow it's backwards on my screen. This book <laughs> is so potent and so beautiful. And it's, it's written in prose, but it's like, it's like poetry, the image that you were given to be able mm -hmm. to share about the, the power of silence. And I would love to dive into and, and talk about silence. You know, we are in a time when people are just craving identity. And so mm -hmm. rather than be in silence, I think people are grasping for whatever it is, whatever source they think is going to give them community or is going to give them notice or is going to give them relief from the anxiety or from mm. the, the depression that they may be feeling or the um, despair that's going on inside them or that they witness going on around them. Mm -hmm. And you have some uh, wonderful helps, but I want to read the welcome, if you don't mind sure. hearing it from my voice. And, and uh, um, it says this, 
Jenny writes this, more than once, silence has saved me. Silence, when I've held my tongue and things did not escalate. Silence, when instead of thinking of what to say, I listened attentively so that what I did say later helped the other person and our relationship deepened. Silence, when I just stop and taste a rest that comes as a gift and which enables me to take the next step. Most of all, being silent with God and discovering that silence is far more than an absence of noise or words. But instead, silence is a life-giving exchange. More than once, silence has saved me. Why do you think people are so uncomfortable with silence? I think we, for most of us, especially those of us who live in cities, and now with the internet, right, it's like the digital natives and all that. Um, we are born into a world of noise. And from our youngest days, we are taught that making noise uh, is what gets what we need. I mean, you know, ask if you want something or else throw a tantrum. <laughs> we don't basically live in a culture where we are trained from a young age that it's okay to sit quietly and trust that you can be heard. It's okay to sit quietly with your thoughts and trust that you are safe with them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just this whole express yourself, express yourself, you know? And I, I don't know whether uh, with the advent of psychoanalysis, you know, at the turn of the century, the last century, whether that has actually really exacerbated everything. We are just on an endless quest to find answers, to analyze things. And the wheels of our mind are going on all the time. Mm-hmm. So this is the world that we are born into. It makes silence very, very uncomfortable. And of course, um, silence is, in fact, associated with many uncomfortable things, like the gallows or like a moment of terror. You know, in horror movies, that, that all that, you know, the sound effect comes and then there's this eerie silence for a while and then something nasty happens. So we are also kind of like taught and socialized into the fact that silence is a scary place. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you must have begun to explore this and as you, as you gather your thoughts and you help the reader so intently to mm-hmm. you, be, it's like you begin to peel the onion to use an overused phrase, but, mm-hmm. but it, it, it really is amazing when that, that object that you are beginning to help us learn about is silence. And then right away you begin, and it's the title of the book, one of the most beloved scriptures from mm-hmm. Psalm 46, verse 10, says this, and, and I, I know Marty wishes he were here to chime in psychologically on this. Yeah. And I think we're going to have to have another conversation and make it with <laughs> the three of us. But, but I did tell you earlier, I'm very relieved not to be cross-examined by two people. <laughs> <laughs> you have nothing to worry about. But... The Psalm 46, verse 10, I hope everybody writes that down and looks that up because the word of the psalmist says, be still mm-hmm. and know that I am God. Be still. Yeah. And what struck me when I, over the years as I meditated on that psalm is we, we pick that one verse up and then we tell everybody in church, okay, it's really great to be still. And then we, okay, now for the announcements, you know. <laughs> So number one, we don't habituate it. We don't practice it, you know. We don't tutor ourselves how to do this, what this is about. But even greater still, the, the, the fact is that that one verse, if you look at the whole context, is really weird because the, first, the psalm begins with the seas are roaring and the mountains are shaking. Everything is in tumult and then be still. Like, come on, that's counterintuitive. I mean... Let's get out the lifeboats. Let's strap on our life preservers. Let's be doing something right now, you know, especially all of us who are like pastoral leaders, right? We are like, okay, let's cast the vision now. Things are not looking good. Where should we go? Let's have these extra Zoom meetings. It's never, it never leads to the verse 10 <laughs> in actual experiences. Right. Yeah. Right. 
And, you know, it, it almost reminds me way, the way you describe it and you give the context of the psalm of God's invitation is in the midst of this storm. Mm-hmm. Almost not, like- not when, yeah, not when things are, are going well and the children are well and everybody's well and you can go away to a cabin somewhere and be quiet. No, it's happening in the thick of it. And, and that's what really struck me. And I thought, I live in a very busy, very noisy city. I can't get away from noise at all. There's always noise in my city. And I'm thinking, God is asking me to be still and to be quiet in the midst of this. I have to figure out how to do this. Because that's in scripture, right? And scripture is to be obeyed. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It brings to mind as well in the gospel accounts when Jesus is asleep in the boat on the mm-hmm. Sea of Galilee and there is a storm that blows up. And they have yeah. to wake him up. And he almost sounds annoyed when he yes. wakes up. And he says to the winds and the waves, be still. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because we tend to dichotomize, just as we dichotomize the secular and the sacred. Then we dichotomize our daily lives from our religious lives. So we dichotomize noise and silence, you know, or we dichotomize joy and pain. Mm-hmm. But I think a careful study of scripture, a careful observation of church history will tell us that it's just not how life works. Right. And if we insist on that, we will feel very disintegrated. We will feel very torn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that does not help us open no, up where no. God is waiting no. to meet us in the silence. That's right. That's right. It's very paradoxical in that sense. But paradox has... Uh, be described as the way to understand the mysteries of life. And truly in the Christian faith, there is a lot of paradox. I mean, we talk about God of love, but also God of wrath. You know, we talk about finding a lot of meaning through our faith, but at the same time, knowing that there are a lot of things we can't explain. Right. Yeah. And grace and truth and mm-hmm. mercy. And yeah, it's it's like Ecclesiastes chapter three, a time to build up mm-hmm. and a time to tear down. That's right. It, It's an amazing gift that into all of that, God calls us to be still. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. and being still is like taking the position of someone who is an observer. It's like step out of action for a while Mm -hmm. and observe. You know, it's and it's a it's a uniquely human capacity to be able to do that. Animals cannot step out themselves, look in the mirror and say, oh, look, my hair is out of place today. Um, or something like that. But humans were able, <laughs> no reference to your hair, Matt. But, but, you know, humans were able to step aside and look at our behavior and observe and say, why did I react that way? Mm-hmm. You know, what triggered me? Um, how would I like to do better? It, we, we can do that. That's why we can grow and we can develop and we can be transformed by God. Precisely because there is this capacity in us to do that. And silence is a friend to this capacity. You know, yeah. one of the things Marty often says is the emotions that we're so afraid of, like, like sad mm. and grief, he says are gentle emotions. Mm. Once, but we fight it, we fight it, we fight it. We don't want to have to go there. But once we do, there's this release. And mm. he can name all of the hormones and all of the, the specific <laughs> muscles that relax and the tension that from a scientific standpoint, relief. Mm-hmm. But we in the Christian community would simply talk about this peace that passes understanding that. Mm-hmm. And what I love what you said, because it is such a word of hope. Yeah. And I think also, even when we talk about peace that passes understanding, I, one of the problems in churches, I think things become too familiar. Mm-hmm. And we assume when we hear certain words, we know what it means. So I really want to encourage everyone listening in to develop a curiosity about things. You know, when, when you, you hear the word grace, when you hear the word peace, I mean, I don't mean be cynical or be nasty about it, but be curious, you know, because these are words that are trying to capture something not of this world. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's big. The subject is big. It's worth exploring. It's terrain that really basically is not familiar to us. We are not born into a space of peace, we are born into a space of strife. That is our mother tongue. That's our native language. So we are learning a different language when the biblical authors offer us words like this. And in the New Testament, uh, Paul especially is well known 
for using common words or even inventing new words because he's trying so hard to convey what life in the kingdom is about. And he's like, I'm at a loss, man. I can't find traces of this in this Roman Empire. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to reinvent the word or I'm going to add new nuances to this. But that's what he's been doing. And it it is a loss to us if you don't recognize that's what's going on. And that is what we also need to do right now in our generation as we are trying to articulate these timeless truths to find words that are powerful, important, and defining for our generation. And there's a refreshment that's available when mm. we do that. And when we yeah. take the time to listen. You know, early in the book, and I looked it up because I had written it down, you said this, the gift of the present moment is often one that we leave unwrapped as we are preoccupied with the next moment or the ones that are past. And as we, as you hand this gift of silence to us and what it means to be still, that's one of those phrases we're so familiar, be still and know that I am God, yada, yada, yada. You know, just calm down, take a deep breath, which is <laughs> bad advice, but there's so much more. And the idea of the gift of the present moment, I think, is is so eye-opening for people because we, it sounds like you in Singapore and we here in the U.S. deal with the same thing, even if we're not in a, a great big city, of constant threat, of mm. constant unknown. And the fact is, I'm here in my office at the church our church is able to be open somewhat and it is really peaceful right here. Mm. And in this moment, I can look out and I don't see any threats. When you phrase that, get the gift of the present moment, how mm. has God invited you into that? And how can we learn from that? I think the most poignant uh, way that God led me to that space uh, was really with all the situations I could not manage, I could not control. And I know that it was in those times when I was sitting alone with God journaling and, you know, just ranting and describing and analyzing and, and all that. And then it came to a point where the ink basically ran out and it's like, so now what, you know? Uh, and then suddenly I realized, okay, here I am with God. Wait, wait, here I am with who? Here I am with God. Hmm. That's really worth thinking about, isn't it? And uh, one of those many times, uh, God dropped this word into my head. He's, the word was sufficiency. I'm like, I, I'm the all-sufficient God. You're here with me. I'm all-sufficient for you. Sorry, what were your questions again? And I'm like, okay, I think I know where you're, where you're going with this. And it was like, I felt so silly, you know, because it's like, if God is with me in that moment, and God has promised never to leave or forsake me, God is with me in every moment, every. which makes every moment sacred, which makes every moment full of possibility, even if it is a bad moment. Mm -hmm. And that's how transformative it is. I'm not saying that I do it perfectly now, but you know, it was very powerful for me when God kept layering this lesson, kept coming back at me with it. And, and it's so true because with ministry, with parenting, we are so often either looking back for lessons to avoid mistakes or looking forward to avoid errors or potholes that things we'd want to fall into. There's so much of our life is lost. I mean, we are not guaranteed that tomorrow will come. And we don't have to live hostage to the past. I mean, you learn what you can, but then that's it, you know. Mm. But what is truly the moment when you are actually really a breathing, living being is the present moment. Yeah. Your very next breath is not even guaranteed. I mean, to put it very starkly, that's where it is at. Mm -hmm. And so if my, uh, my child comes up to me and says, hey, mom, I need to talk to you, or just shoves, you know, his kitty drawing my face, I have a very powerful choice to make at that moment. Because that's, you know, that's when life is, God or life is inviting me to say, what is actually really happening at this moment? And what would you choose to give your attention to? So I have found that has thoroughly changed my life. It has changed my parenting. It has changed my marriage. It's changed my ministry. Yeah, just, just to be in the moment a lot more. And it's amazing because when you are in the moment, you are getting, when you're really there, you are getting the data that otherwise you will miss up. Mm -hmm. Because you're paying attention, you're observing, your senses are clued in, you know. 
if not, we are we are kind of operating suboptimally, right? Yeah. yeah. And and so we're not being at our best. The only way to be at your best is to be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it almost ties in with the Psalm 46 verse 10. Um, be still and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. could one lead to the other? It's not yeah. just remember once more, remember once more. No, it's be still mm. and know that. And God's most sacred name is I am. That's right. Not yeah. I Isn't was. that interesting? I might That's right. Be- yeah, that's right. That's interesting, isn't it? God is a God of the moment as well. I mean, of course, he's the God of Abraham, Jacob and Isaac, the God of history and generations. But very much he is the God of the moment, the God that wants to be experienced in the moment. Yeah. Uh, recently, I just read a friend share on Facebook that how the Bible is bookended by the fact that God is described as being present and being near his people. You know, walking in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve, and then in Revelation, saying that we don't need the sun anymore because God dwells there with his people. The whole story of the Bible is that God loves us and wants to be near us and is near us. Would we open our eyes? Would we reach out and touch him? Would we open our hearts to him? That's beautiful. The ability to be fully present comes as we grow the muscle to resist mm. the tyranny of the urgent. Which normally I think, oh, I'm in the moment, so I everything's urgent, you know, that the tyranny <laughs> of the good. urgent. If yeah. But then you said this, it deepens as we experience the ever-present God. And his love transforms all our moments, the mundane ones and the ecstatic ones. Mm-hmm. I thought that was so great in terms of how we can develop the muscle to resist the tyranny of the urgent. Because yeah. every everything is vying for our attention. News that doesn't make us click for more news and keep our attention. You know, they say they're tracking the number of seconds that we will stay on a page or an image or an article, let alone Mm -hmm. click on the next one and go deeper and deeper down the rabbit trail. And what I think this be still and know is is an invitation to resist the tyranny of, of everybody trying to make everything urgent. Mm. And that is actually something quite insidious. Uh, And we really have to be careful of it as Christians. I mean, the joke aside about us having the attention span of a goldfish, which is about three seconds. Yeah, so developing this muscle is very important because it is linked to our humanity. We are made in the image of God. Uh, There is something in the way we live right now, especially with high-speed technology, that is rewiring our humanity, it's rewiring our brains, it's rewiring our relationships. Mm-hmm. And while we don't want to be just merely, you know, Luddites, run, run, run away from everything, we need to be wary of it. I think we need to be educated about what it's doing to us. And we need to ask ourselves, do we want this to happen to our lives? Do we want our children to be unable to sit with a book? Mm-hmm. Do we want to travel virtually and not actually see real sunshine <laughs> or things like that. To how many, how much of our work do we want automation to take over? And on and on. There's so many related questions. But primarily, if we return to the truth, the scripture tells us that we were created to be in a relationship of love with God. Then that question is even more powerful because if our habits are making it hard for us to experience love, to receive love or to give love, it's going to impact our relationship with God, not to say impact our relationship with one another. I mean, how many times has, have you seen a couple at a restaurant eating and both of them are looking at their phones and you're wondering what sort of communion, what sort of communication is going on? Or entire family at a dining table at a restaurant and everybody's looking at their phones. What are we losing as we do this? So how do we train, I guess you're asking me, how do we train this muscle to resist this tuner? Because it's just so in, so easy to just reach for your phone. I feel it too, just reaching. It's almost like a, a mild addiction, you know, you just have to yeah. reach for it all the time. We are creatures of habit. We didn't, we were not born reaching for that phone. Somebody put that phone in our hand enough times for it to become a habit for us. So in the same way, if we are serious about this, we can develop fresh habits. And it can be, Uh, simple for a start. It can start with, number one, I always tell people, don't turn on your phones early in the morning when you wake up. 
don't look at your messages. You can program it and use it as an alarm if you really must. You can program it to play music. But spend the first 10 minutes in bed, just taking slow deep breaths and just giving thanks to God for the good night's rest you had. Mm-hmm. Giving thanks to God for the day ahead. Just to start that tone of your day, you know, there's already enough signs to say that how you start your day really sets the tone for the rest of your day. Okay. So that's a very simple thing you can start doing, just the first 10 minutes of the day. And of course, to do that, you have to factor in how long it takes you to get ready for whatever you need to be ready for and add that 10 minutes in. So, you know, I know, I know for a fact that for me to have a day that I can look back at and say, I was in that day, Jenny was really present, Jenny really showed up. Mm. I need to have that time in the morning with the Lord with my Bible, with my coffee, with my journal. I need to have that. So you have to figure out what that that looks like for you on a daily basis. And then as with all training, it all depends on where is your your ground zero, right? If you're very unfit, then you have to start doing some smaller exercises. And it always helps also to exercise with other people. Many of us don't do well on our own. (laughs) So gathering a few friends and saying, you know, how about every Wednesday morning, or every Wednesday lunchtime, let's just Zoom and have half an hour, just play some music, all be quiet together, you know, take some mm-hmm. slow deep breaths, be quiet together, and then just read the scripture. And, you know, you just have to do this for, a, a, you know, a couple of months, and you will start developing the muscle. That's how it happens. It's just like any form of exercise. Spiritual discipline, but that's Spiritual exactly what discipline. it is. And they talk about exercise in the New Testament, and Paul said, mm-hmm. You know, um, physical exercise does some good, but spiritual exercise does even more. Mm -hmm. And what strikes me about that is something that I really struggled with last spring, especially, and even heading towards summer was the complete lack of a rhythm when COVID hit. I was relieved because I had a million appointments that I didn't have anymore. And that was a Mm -hmm. real gift. But I, I gave up. Uh, you know, the the gym was closed that I'd go to. And I had some exercise equipment in, a, we have a basement at the Parsonage. Did I go down there and do it? No, I'm a social person <laughs> like you just talked about. And I let myself get completely out of any of those kind of habits. Mm. I realized I do use my phone for an alarm and I don't check it anymore. And I have Audible and there's a great... Mm. I had never read all the way through the message translation. I'd looked at it, you know, or paraphrase really. And um, I found this download for one credit that was the daily message. And so each day there's 10 to 14 or 15 minutes and it goes back and forth. It will do Genesis from the Old Testament and then a book from the New Testament Mm. and then a Psalm or a proverb or Ecclesiastes. And, And I've got about 40 more days to go in this. And so I will, I can do that while I'm just soaking in God's word while I make my coffee. And I'm glad you mentioned coffee too. <laughs> <'Cause that's laughs> Isn't that lovely? Great. Isn't that lovely? Uh, though I must say Singapore coffee and America coffee is quite different kettle of thing. Anyway, <laughs> you got to try ours. <laughs> I would love to try Singapore coffee. Yes, that would, that's a great invitation for me to, I'll be on the lookout for it. So, um, you know, and I can I can do menial things while I'm listening with my earphones, so I'm not waking everybody else up. Mm. Just listening to the word, and yeah. then I can sit down and read it, or read a devotional book as a part of that. But I like mm. to soak in, like you said, God's word, and begin my day that way, rather than jumping to Instagram, jumping to Facebook, jumping to my messages. It is a muscle that you have to use that muscle to resist that tyranny that yeah. wants to draw you in right away. Mm. And so what I've actually described so far is small habits to slow down mm-hmm. and to start uh, the journey towards what I call solitude. Solitude is not being lonely. Solitude is making an intentional choice to be alone and thereby to wean yourself away from the need for other people. Not because you don't like them or you're trying to get away from them, you try to get back at them, but you're saying that I am I am enough, I'm adequate. God made me a sufficient being. I don't need the approval of others, I don't need their expectations, I don't need their and affirmations or their cheers. And I I just I'm okay. I will be okay by myself. And that again is a very powerful experience. And after 
being comfortable by yourself, then you are more and more ready for silence. Silence is the point where you don't listen to anything. You actually shut off all noise-emitting devices and then you sit there. But then that's also when you realize that it's not completely silent. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's when you actually start to listen to yourself. Solitude will start to prepare you for that because, you know, you're not with others. You will begin to clue into the fact that you are chattering all the time. You know, you have some kind of record tape that's going on at the back of your mind. And you also begin to notice that you have certain conversations that keep going on and on and on and on and never ends. Like parents are always going on and on about worry about their kids. You know, singles are going on and on worried about whether they'll find the right person. Mm-hmm. Pastors are going on and on about whether the church will survive COVID, whatever it might be. But there's always some kind of persistent message, some kind of persistent worry and anxiety, low line that's resident in our life. Mm-hmm. So being able to notice that is very powerful because uh, when, we, when we look in scripture, we find that God is very huge on intentionality. He never ever does something unless it's in response to a human cry. So when we notice this anxiety and then we are able to talk to God about it, mm-hmm. we are able to hand it over to him, then it happens. So a lot of times we find what happens is we don't want to go through this process. We don't want to know what exactly is bothering us. We just say, God, give me peace. Mm-hmm. So we are asking God to just do a few hoops ahead and, and you know, just deal with me, God, just give me peace and then I'll be okay. But but that's not how God made us. God made us to be beings of thinking and intuition and reflection and problem solving and design thinking. So God's not going to do that because it's not going to help us. It's like, and a good analogy is if your kids come and say, just give me the money, you know, just make me feel better. You're not going to do it, right? Any good parent will know, no, I have to sit you down and walk you through this. Or I have to, in fact, set up a few obstacles so that you can learn and I'll coach you through this. I will protect you and make sure it doesn't get too much. But you have to grow. You have to grow into who you are, who, you know, you have to grow into your potential. And that's what God, the Heavenly Father, wants for us. He wants us to grow into the fullness of who we are in Christ. And we can't short circuit that by just going to God and, and beating on the doors of heaven and say, I've had enough, just please airlift me out of this. And God said, I care a lot for you. I won't leave you out of this. you got to know what is really going on because as you learn to number your days, you will gain a heart of wisdom. Which is what I want for you. I want my children to be wise, wise as serpent, innocent as doves, so that they can shine in this world. Yeah. And not sound and feel and act just like the rest of the world. And we can't force ourselves into Christian witness. We have to grow ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Two things that you're that it brings to me. One is the level of the depth of what silence can offer us, and it it reminds me. You quote later in the book from Psalm forty two, verse seven, mm. where you're talking about silence somewhat, and you the verse says this: "Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, O God." All your ways, waves and breakers have swept over me. Mm. That image of deep calling to deep just resounds mm. deep within within. Yeah. And I think, gosh, how much how much of the depths, like a scuba diver uh, or a, a snorkeler who can't ever go down because mm-hmm. they can't hold their breath, they miss out on some of the most beautiful treasures and colors and and uh, things just under the surface of the ocean and the idea that god wants us to go deep with him and yet for whatever reason we we have this surface level fear like fomo fear of missing Mm. out if i turn off all of this stuff around me somehow i'll get left behind or i'll be out of the Mm understanding of what people are talking about or the jokes that they have and somehow i'll miss out on there when god is saying i have such a more grand adventure for you that will lead you back up 
mm-hmm. serve yeah. with others, but but fully, much more fully explored in who you are in me. God. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to say a few things to encourage everybody about this, how to deal with this formal thing. Mm-hmm. Number one, remember the news is always repetitive. And don't worry about it. It's going to come around again. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't read the news for a week, your life is not going to change. Seriously. Right. Secondly, remember how, like you, you know, Matt, you rightly pointed out, how great and grand and beautiful, powerful God is for our lives. And like he said to me, he is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third one is to ask yourself, by trying to keep up with everything, how has it made you feel? How has it made you feel? Do you actually feel more rested, more satisfied, more encouraged, more empowered, more confident? Mm-hmm. Very rarely so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's not a major loss to cut out some things. <laughs> <laughs> the gain is just on the other side. Just That's right. need the courage. And if you need someone to do it with you, reach out to a friend, reach out to a pastor. Reach out to Pastor Matt hey. <laughs> and Martin. They were gladly, they were gladly. We've got some great yeah. people to walk alongside people. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's what Jesus did when God mm-hmm. came to earth in that's right. fully human. He didn't just write a long list and hand it and run away. Mm-hmm. He that's right. walked and talked and touched and... Um, got close with people and he listened to them and that's who Jesus was and they couldn't get enough of him. Mm-hmm. And, and the people that he, he troubled people. He was so honest that some people weren't ready for all of that. And, you know, it's, um, it's an amazing example for people who have never read through the source material of who is this Jesus for them to look at these eyewitness accounts we call the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, each one written to a different audience, written by a different author. It's If you've never gotten to the source material of what it is like to see the sufficiency of God from, from a new mm. point of view, how how powerful that could be. A lot of us have an awful lot of opinions about faith let alone Christian faith, because of the caricatures, sadly, some of which are true for too many of us, of what, of what it is to be a Christ follower. And so I think the idea of, of taking the time in silence, let the deep call to deep. And yeah. that would mean yeah. even deep into the word of, mm-hmm. of um, mm-hmm. you know, the Yeah, that's really good. That's really good. I think scripture sort of sets the frame and it's like, I, go, I think a good image, thanks to Kentucky, would be a, a horse coral. Like, you know, the horse is free to run, but it's a safe space, large enough for the horse to run. And scripture is like that. It gives you that boundary and, and in, within that boundary is where good things are being supplied to you. Uh, the horse is being cared for. I know it's, I, I'm, I'm so appreciative of the fact that you raised uh, the important distinction between Christianity and Christ. Christianity is always an outcome of a generation of people trying to make sense of life and make sense of faith. They don't do it perfectly. And so you're not going to ever find a perfect church or a perfect Christian or a perfect Christian pastor. <laughs> but uh, we are excited about our faith, not because of Christianity, we are excited about our faith because of Christ. And I love to share this story about my son, so you see, since the time he was able to babble, I would be reading the Bible stories to him. And I especially love to read stories from the Gospels to him. And when he was about five, he was able to start reading on his own. And one day he looked up at me and he just said, I can't wait to get to heaven. And I said, why? He said, because Jesus is there. My best friend is there. You know, and I was so moved because I thought, I hadn't been, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I didn't have a lot of time to like, you know, what, what should I say? I didn't have a lot of time to Christianize my son because that's not my agenda. I just let him discover Jesus Christ for himself. I, I honestly try very hard to avoid religious jargon when talking about God to young children. 
Because I think that because God created us for him, children naturally gravitate spiritually to truth, to spiritual truth. They have a curiosity about it, they have a sense of wonder about it. They ask all these questions, why the clouds blue and all that, all these searching questions. And all I needed to do was put Jesus Christ in front of him. And he found Christ as a young child. He said, I mean, you know, Jesus is so good. He's so good. He cares for all these people. He loves them. He makes them feel good. He heals them. You know, he, he speaks. He tells all these wonderful stories. What's there not to like about him? <laughs> Even as a five-year-old, you know, he found Christ irresistible. Yeah. You know, it, you know and, that's and, the thing that hits me hard about the Christian faith and walking with Christ in our mm. lives, who is the sufficient one. And his grace is sufficient for us is that he is every bit as available for a four-year-old as for a 40-year-old, mm -hmm. as That's for right. an 84-year-old. Mm -hmm. it's, it's imagine going through life, not afraid of silence, not mm -hmm. afraid of what's this identity that I'm, I think I'm supposed to have when, when mm -hmm. I've been made in God's image, fallen but saved by Christ to be his and and not to have to be shy about that or apologetic mm. about it, but simply yeah. to receive it, to mm. go through junior high knowing you're never alone mm. in those Absolutely. horrible silences and in the silent treatment that the cool kids might give you, mm -hmm. knowing, gosh, they don't know what they're missing out on or they don't know who they're messing with. Or, uh, it's, <laughs> Who's it's, the really cool kid now? <laughs> Yeah, that's why the subtext of the, the book is Treasures from Silence to Transform Your Life. And I really do hope that uh, people listening will get the book because you have to read it to find these treasures. There's not enough time in this podcast to go through all of it. Um, but I have a special uh, heart for young people. And I think the way the world is going now is very stressful for them. It's a very The world's becoming a very fearful place for them. And it's very hard to navigate, you know, uh, the economy is challenging. I think a lot of young people now have mental health issues because of the state of the world. Mm -hmm. So I just want to say to a young person, it is not your fault that you feel fearful. It is not your fault if you feel anxious. It is not your fault if things are falling apart in your home. It's the reality of this world. We are in a fallen world. The Bible describes it as a people who are, have turned their back against God the source of life, um, the design of life. And you will continue with this battle with anxiety and, and fear and dread and ambition and the whole mixed bag of things and not necessarily outgrow it because it's not something that can just go away with time. It is something that you need someone slightly older, hopefully, uh, who can pray with you and journey with you is something that you need to create space and be very brave to be counterculture and create space in your life, in your mind, your heart. And, and you want to do that because you know that you are precious. You know that you are unique. Intuitively, you know that you're not like anybody else. But who are you? Who is going to be there who can tell you who you are and say it out of pure, perfect love? It's only God. Your parents may say, you're unique, but then you're looking at them and yeah, <laughs> your, you know, your, your school leaders may say that, but then you're going like, yeah, I know, that's just a spiel. I mean, of course, the world says YouTube tells it to you. Do you really believe them? Mm -hmm. There is a voice you can trust. It's the voice of God. Go read the Bible. Even if you don't understand it, just read it. Just read it. Go create some pockets of solitude and silence for yourself. Get a little notebook and start journaling your thoughts, your feelings, your discoveries. Stay with the process. This is how you will grow and how you will find your who you are emerge from the noise, from the expectations, from the pressures, because God is watching over you to do that for you. That's beautiful. And it's such a, a companion for that journey for anyone. And it, I love that it's, it's this thick. <laughs> yeah, nobody likes to read very thick books except academics. So, yeah. <laughs> it's 93 pages, but it's every page is amazing. And 
my notes in the margins made it so easy to pull out and to bracket the places where God really spoke to me through your words and through your thoughts. And there's so much more for us to talk about. And so my hope is that you would be willing to <laughs> do this again, this time, the next time with Marty, because I would mm -hmm. love to explore other things. You know, when God is silent, I would love to take a look at that. And you asked a powerful question. I think near the back of the book may have been it where it was, but you said, if I asked you, what is the one absolute thing you must say if you were to never to speak again, what do you think it would be? And like the Psalm 42, verse seven, deep calling to deep. Mm. And I think we were able to share some of the hurdles and the obstacles, and yet also the treasures that await us. I, I heard a woman say a couple of weeks ago, she said, at the edge of your understanding is where God is waiting to meet you. Yep, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. And if you think about our words themselves, they are a lot of times space fillers. <laughs> and that's very true. Fillers. That's very true. And for yeah. us to be brave enough to, to um, not be entertained to death, but but, you know, not to jump from this to that, to that, to that, to that, mm. as though we're going to miss out on something. When what we're likely to miss out on is a deep, joy-filled, mm. exciting adventure of encountering God and, and not just this void. I think some of us are afraid of silence and solitude because we're afraid to face this void. Mm. Or, you know, one of the things that you mentioned is the echo chamber. We're mm. afraid at what's going to come back at us. Or if we peel off all these other expectations of all these other people and all these other entertainments and all these other um, things that we fill our mind and our space and our, our ears with, that there won't be anything left. And, and what would you say to someone who maybe is a little bit apprehensive? Mm to opening themselves up like that, who's just afraid of the void? What if I don't hear anything? Mm, that's a great question to wrap up our conversation, I think. Mm -hmm. One of the things about silence is it offers you a time to rest. So if you don't hear anything, you don't feel anything, you don't sense anything, you know, you still got something out of it, you rest it. And who doesn't need that? <laughs> So, but the chances are you will hear something, you will sense something. It might even be very uncomfortable. So it's also important for me to say, and I mentioned this very early in the book, that this journey that I've described is a distinctly Christian journey. I do not know what it means to go into silence without God. And I do not recommend it because uh, the human psyche is a very deep space. Mm -hmm. We have not finished studying it. We don't even understand the human mind. So to go into anything like, you know, some people explore spirituality and all that, and sometimes they found themselves in a lot of trouble mm -hmm. because of that. So I do not encourage that. I would encourage you to exercise silence as a basic human self-care discipline. But more importantly, for the Christian, you know that you are not going into a space by yourself. God is there with you, and you're actually going there uh, to be with yourself, also to be with God, so that you can come out of that space, strengthen, cleanse, nourish, a healthier, stronger you. Maybe by very small increments, but trust me, it is happening. And the small increments will one day surprise you when you, when you think, hey, I stopped snapping at my husband. Or hey, I, my heart rate is not racing, even though my friend just, you know, bragged about something and... I used to just get very upset. I, I just don't anymore. That is transformation. You practically didn't change yourself. God did, but you have made time for that change to happen. That is a beautiful word to even go into silence with God. Hmm. Well, tell us where people could order this book. Uh, well, the book was published by Whip and Stock, and it's all over Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I believe they were on the bookshelves. <laughs> And I know that if you go to a bookstore, but now with COVID, you'd probably be ordering online. It's definitely on Amazon mm. and all the regular um, booksellers. You can get them. Mm. You should be able to get it. Yep. 
this the treasures of silence are explained so well by this book which has become a treasure and it's be still and know and the author is the reverend jenny hohan and jenny i have so much joy right now getting to see you and getting to see philip and touching base online is nothing like getting to have a whole conversation about where you've experienced god and how god is using um, your journey with silence and solitude into so many other people's lives. I well, just, we'll catch up again another time. <laughs> I would love it. And if you're up for another conversation, there's more to explore in terms yeah. of silence and solitude. But maybe between now and several weeks from now, when we can line up another time to talk to Jenny halfway around the world, or we're halfway around the world. She's ahead of us 13 hours, so we're yeah. trailing. But um, the sun rises on me first before you, Matt. There. <laughs> Anybody could have told you Talk that. about FOMO, man. <laughs> Seriously. But um, this is the book, Be Still and Know, Jenny Hohan. And it's H-O-H-U-A-N. And I hope that you would find it and read it. Maybe uh, it will inform you before we record another podcast. Would love Yeah. For you to experience that with us. So get online and order this book. I can't recommend it enough. Jenny, uh, Marty and I always close our time uh, with a word of prayer. And mm-hmm. he usually makes me do it because I'm the shepherd. So I think he, like, he wants <laughs> to bring in the professional. Well, it's like my kids. I got a doctorate and I wrote a dissertation. And my kids who were in elementary school at the time when it was done said, wait a minute, you wrote a book that basically no one's going to read. And now you're a doctor, but you're not the kind of doctor that helps people, right? <laughs> Oops. I know. I said, right. Because <laughs> they can only picture, you know, the doctor. that they Yeah, are. that's right. Well, what a treat and uh, what a blessing for me and for anybody who manages to tune in with this podcast. Would you close us with prayer? Very gladly. Yeah. And I'd like to say also that if you want to get in touch with me and you have your own thoughts about silence, I'm actually very curious about silence helping special groups of people like the elderly with dementia, children with special needs. I have a hunch (laughs) and I have some anecdotal evidence that it's also very helpful for them. So if you're kind of exploring that, um, get in touch with me. (laughs) That would be great. Yeah, let us pray. Yes. Dear God, we give you thanks for the gift of words. So powerful. Especially today, we see how words are used, both rightly, wrongly, to build up as well as to tear down. But we also give you thanks for the gift of silence. You have given us the ability to both form and produce words, but also to hold them back. To hold them back so that all the words that are malformed, all the thoughts that are inchoate, all the thoughts that are inadequate, insufficient, can get a space to rest and allow your life-giving presence to shape them up, to give them form and structure and purpose. Lord, we are living in a world where we're drowning. We're drowning in information. We're drowning in words. So much of it is unnecessary. So much of it is hurting and destroying us. Would you please lead us And help us to be willing to follow your spirit into that place where we are okay to be by ourselves. Where we are okay to turn down the noise, turn it off, remove ourselves from situations, create spaces to be alone with you, to be still, to be silent. Because you want so much to transform each one of us, to transform the systems we are part of to transform entire ecosystem, entire neighborhoods, entire communities, churches, societies. In this light, our great hope, Lord, because we know by now that while we come up with good solutions, our solutions have always been two-edged. They have always solved the problem and created a new problem. We need your wisdom, God. We need your wisdom to navigate life and to live it with fruitfulness and faithfulness. So Lord, in your mercy, I pray that whoever listens to this podcast would have that seed planted in their heart that would bear fruit in the days to come and cause them 
to experience and reap the many treasures found in silence with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Matt. Yes. True or false, if you become a patron, you can do it on lots of levels. And there's all kinds of cool swag. And we're going to be doing a Q&A when we get a few more people involved. And that there's a special offer on a Gator. And you can uh, get all of these videos emailed right to you. True or false? That is so true. There's some really cool stuff available for people who support us on a monthly basis and who support this ministry, if you want to call it that, that we're trying to minister to people through conversations about scripture, theology, and psychology. It's pretty unique. And I'm all about the bling, you know. How about this one? Uh, True or false? We are not only in the United States, but we're growing in other continents, such as Africa. Yeah, there's people from other countries who are tuning in and who are getting involved. True or false? Anyone can get involved right now by going to patreon.com and searching The Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. That is true. And you can see the different levels of involvement. There's some people who are able to give $5 a month. There's some people who can give $100 a month or more. I like the dollar donors too, because that tells me that here's someone who really, really wants to do it. That really encourages me. There's expenses that we have, even though it sounds like we're just having a conversation. They, The folks who do our editing and things like that clean it up and make it sound terrific. And they get it on the platform so that more and more people can enjoy it. Please come on board. It's a lot of fun. Do, do some good in the world. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Shepherd and the Shrink podcast. You can check out the show notes from this episode, get free resources, discover more about our work, and all the ways to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the show. Head over to drmartinfletcher.com.